Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about the Upper Room, please visit newroom.org. I feel like I'm a man on a mission of late. Uh, I, I, I feel like the Lord and, and what he's been doing over the last eight years here in our midst. Um, we, we have been on a journey grappling for language, grappling for 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 language to describe and define what he's doing in our midst and the lord is taking his time uh, giving us that language but i feel in the last couple of months he's putting really clear language to what's making us us Um, i I was in a meeting this week and we were um, just looking at some of the revelations that have marked our community specifically in the place of prayer and worship because i believe that's a massive assignment that we have uh, is to steward that and to create communities centered upon the presence of Jesus. But he's just giving us really good language, really good um, tools to equip leaders to host God. Because a lot of communities that are charismatic and, and set out to do this, things can get weird and they can get weird quick. Am I right? Uh, and not that Upper Room, you're like, dude, Upper Room is weird. All right? So I'm not saying that, that we don't have our moments. But... Um, but I am saying that, that there's, a, there's a level of unity and focus and precision. I think that the Lord, uh, the Lord is consistently creating here through leaders, through prayer leaders, worship leaders, preachers, teachers. And I just feel like this language is coming together because uh, we're called to impart this, uh, I think, to you and to the body. But also, um, I believe it's, it's, it's for our, our nation and for the nations. Uh, I'm just really humbled by by what the Lord is doing in our midst and what he's speaking to me personally. And so I've just become very like singular-eyed, singular-focused when it comes to the word. And, uh, and so this fall, I really feel I'm going to unpack in a, in a, in a big way um, what it is that, that the Lord's been doing. Um, but, but today, I want to I share a revelation that, that's kind of just a, a, it's a broad stroke for, again, uh, what I believe the upper room uh, is doing and creating, and I believe why it's important uh, for for our hour. This text, Matthew 16, 13, when I first started preaching, Larissa would travel with me uh, to churches or meetings, and I would always preach the same sermon. And I, at first, I think it was just because I was comfortable. It was like the one bullet I knew I could fire and hit the target, you know? And, uh, and there was fruit here. Why wouldn't there be fruit there? And so we would show up, and she's like, are you going to preach out of Matthew 16? And I was like, yeah, I'm preaching out of Matthew 16. And, and so I would just wear this revelation out. But it hasn't been until like the last month that the Lord has really hit my heart as to why, why that revelation was so significant for me uh, in that season when he was forming a message inside of me. And now as a leader, I feel like you'll be able to see uh, its importance. And it's probably a text that many of you have read. Um, But I just want to unpack it today. So it's Matthew 16, verse 13. And uh, it's an intimate conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. And Jesus came into a district of Caesarea Philippi, and he was asking his disciples. He asked them this question. He asked them, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? What's the conversation about me? And the disciples answer. They said, well, this group says John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others, this group says you're like Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so Jesus then looked at them and said, but who who is it that you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, 
You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Such an important text. This actually says that, that upon this, I will build my church. Upon this conversation, Jesus says, I will build my church. And, and it's important for us to understand what he's speaking about because this is the foundation for us as a community. Um, I, I have this phenomenon that's been happening with me uh, since I was in my early 20s. Um, I've shared this, testimony, uh, this, this story a couple of times, but it, it happened this week. Um, people mistake me for someone. Um, they always come up to me and they say, hey, do you know who you look like? And, uh, and I know who I think they look like, but I always know who do I look like. And um, I've actually been saying Chris Rock lately. Like, Chris Rock? Like, what? Not Chris Rock. They say, you look like Ben Affleck. And, um, and I, I'm like, yeah, I've heard that a couple of times. Uh, but, and I can always tell how Ben's career is doing based on people coming up to me. Like he's, he hadn't been in a very good season the last couple of years, but um, in my early to mid-20s, people all the time came up to me and they're like, dude, you look just like Ben Affleck because he was all over the place. And when people think I look like Ben Affleck, the, the extremes they go to to get around Ben Affleck are, are so intense. I was in Aspen, this was in, 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 right at the end of college, I was in Aspen one time paying out and someone was reprimanded because they were attempting to take my credit card that I'd given to the waitress because they wanted to see what the name was on the credit card that I was Ben Affleck. Um, I was in Vegas one time and a cabbie was dropping me off at a hotel. And we were staying at a motel, actually. And, uh, and he, said, he said, Mr. Affleck, why are you staying at a motel? He like legitimately thought I was, was Ben. And... Um, my favorite story is, uh, is I, was, I was single at the time, and uh, it was New Year's Eve. We were on McKinney Avenue uh, at a restaurant bar, and I was with two other single guys and then a, a couple, a friend of mine, they were married. But when you're single and the ball you know, drops and hits midnight, you're, you are like that, faced with that reality that you're single, everyone else is gonna kiss someone. So you have to plan like your first 10 to 15 seconds of the new year, like, what am I gonna do? I don't have anyone to kiss. And so we're like gearing up for it, the ball's dropping, and, um, and, and midnight comes, and all of a sudden, God is my witness. I feel these two lips pressing on my lips, just like, someone is like, and, uh, and we pull back, and it's this woman. I've never met her before. She's in a sequenced dress. She's dressed to the nines, just ready for New Year's Eve. She looks just like Queen Latifah, for the best way to describe her. And she's snapping like this, and she was saying, I was waiting to kiss Ben Affleck all night long. <laughs> I was like, oh! <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> but I, 
I'm, I'm amazed at what people will do when they think they're in the presence of someone significant. And I'm always amazed what they don't do. I mean, I'm amazed by what they do do, but I also think about what they don't do. Um, when, when they're in the presence of Ben Affleck, they, they don't run and pop in Armageddon. <laughs> Seeing him doesn't lead people to the things that Ben Affleck has done or did. They lead him. They lead, they run after Ben. They're like, I've got to encounter Ben. And yet I'm, I'm really like amazed sometimes when the Lord shows up and he's present in a place, how often we miss him because we're so consumed with the things of him. And yet, and yet it's him. He's present. He's there. One of the most marking moments for me as a pastor is it's a guy I really respect and taught me a ton of stuff. Uh, and we were at a conference with some leaders, and, um, and the presence of Jesus was just so, like, tangible, weighty. Like, we did not need to do anything but just be still and wait, wait and see what the Lord wanted to do. And, and, uh, and this leader had, he was, so, he was so excited about his sermon. And he had a really good sermon. But he was so excited about his sermon that when he stood up, he said, man, I wish we could linger in this place. But I'm so excited about my sermon. He loaded his gun up and he fired. And we missed the moment. And I feel as, as his people, I feel like he's looking for people who will pay attention to him when he comes. They'll forsake what they've known or what they're familiar with or what they're comfortable with. And, and, and they'll, learn, they'll learn to move with him, to behold him, to, to like really and I feel like he's asking his people this question in this text I, I feel like he's asking them hey who, who is it that the people say that I am because right now culturally if you like take a thermometer and, and put it in the waters to determine like what people are saying, or you, you try to figure out who Jesus is based upon guys like me, or based upon your Twitter feed, or based upon Facebook, like you are going to be, you are going to be extremely confused. Like there are so many varying opinions about the man Jesus. There are so many varying approaches to the man Jesus. And I believe the Lord is asking this question because he's, he is ready. He is ready to reveal himself to his people in such a profound, real, tangible way in this hour. But we have to realize that what we've known and what we've heard and even what we've experienced can hinder us from seeing what he's revealing today. 
You get me? <laughs> Who do the people say that he is? Some say you're like John the Baptist. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say uh, you're like Elijah. And they were, they were basing their view of him based on what God had done in the past. Like, those are not bad answers. Those are actually really, really good answers. Like, the theological bar for being compared to John the Baptist, being compared to Elijah, being compared to Jeremiah, that's significant, and it's the lens that they viewed God through, and so they were just using the only measurements that they had. And yet Jesus was trying to position his disciples, those that had, this was like two years into them following, journeying, like being in relationship with Jesus. He's asking them this question because he's ready to reveal something fresh and new to them. We do it today. We have, I could, I could name names of men who, who embody a message that God is using, that God is blessing, that God is associating with, but, but just because you know that message and just because you know that ministry and just because you know that church does not mean you know him. It really doesn't. Like, it's all unto you personally. You fill in your name knowing the man, Jesus. Like, you knowing him. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his rising. I want to share in his sufferings. I want to know Christ. And my desire for you as your pastor and your leader is for you to know Christ. For you to personally know him. For you to have a history with him. For you to know his voice. For you to know when he comes in a room. For you to know when he shows up in your car. For you to know what it's like when you're going to work and you're, you're mad and frustrated. For you to know how to connect to him in that place because you have a knowledge of Jesus. It is all about Jesus. It's not about church. It's not about preaching. It's not about worship. It's not about songs. All of that has to be unto you knowing him. It's like, it seems so simple, and it is so simple, but we can make it so complicated because of all the things surrounding him. Who do the people say that I am? As a church, it's been hilarious, like, like this, this, this thing, it's like, oh man, you're just like this church, or you're just like that church. Or, and the comparison game that begins, I'm like, man, I don't know who we're like. I just, I just, I've got my eyes fixed on one man. <laughs> That's all I know to do. This guy came up to me and gave me a prophetic word this week. I don't think he's from here. It wasn't a very good prophetic word. It was top three worst prophetic words I've ever had. Top three. But the way that he put it was very, very direct, very specific, because he had heard from, from the Lord. And there were other things he wanted, and I just, he wanted to do, and I just said, hey, man, I really appreciate you. Would you, just, would you just pray for our church and pray for our community? But I'll weigh this word and move on. But he, here's my point, is that I know, I know the one that he's speaking for. 
So you're, gonna, you're coming to me, and you're going to share something about my best friend, what my best friend is speaking to me. I don't know you, but you're going to come, and you're going to share what my best of best of best friends, my, the source of my life, the one whom I have, oh, he's my everything. Like, he's my everything. He's my passion. He's my pursuit. He is my everything. I love this man. And you're going to speak for him to me, and you're going to say he's saying that, and I, that's not what he's saying to me. Now listen, before I am, I am a man submitted to elders and leaders, and I have people that pray for me and share words with me and correct me, but Blow Joe from the street just shows up, and he's going to give me a word about my best friend and what he's saying. I know his voice. I know his voice. I am connected to him. He's my shepherd. But my fear is that some of us, man, that word, our wheels get topsy-turvy, you know. We're like, I don't know what to do with that. Because we're living secondhand. We're living from what we heard someone else say about him. And we're content with that. But I just, like, I just feel in my heart, I just feel so deeply in my heart, like the Lord Jesus, he wants you to know him. It's not just you want to know him, he wants you to know him. <laughs> that's good news. I think we have to be mindful about who people say that he is. I felt like the Lord said this to me, it, I don't even know if this will make sense. It made sense in my heart. But I felt like, who do the people say that I am? It's like, if, you, if you're listening to what people are saying about him and you're not going to him, it's, it's kind of like a weird form of gossip. All these people talking about him, but not talking to him. He's resurrected alive, seated on a throne. He has eyes and ears, hands and feet. He is a living being that we can approach and talk to. Even now as I'm talking to you about him, you can talk to him. It's crazy. Jesus will associate with many people. Jesus will, actually, he'll just basically associate with anyone. But you need to know that he stands alone. He stands alone. Like, who he is, there's no one like Jesus. No one. Who do the people say I am? Like, there's just a lot of confusing things. I was listening to my, my Twitter feed. It's like, it helps my preaching guy I respect and love today questioning is hell real another guy uh, it's like this this I won't get into it but but he gets politicized really quickly get thrown on this side of the aisle or that side of the aisle or you use him as a pawn to prove a point you use him to to to, to you're using him for an issue he's not the actually issue. He is the issue. He's not a political pawn. He's king and Lord. He's so above these conversations. 
Like, look for people. Look that they're provoking you to the knowledge of Jesus, to the man Jesus. They're not always using Jesus as a bat to hit some type of issue. If those people are influencing your life, you need to protect and guard your heart. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that those, the, the, there's revelation that they may, not, they, they may have, but you've got to see the man Jesus. It has to be about a knowledge of the man Jesus. So how do we get that? Is this good? So I just want to provoke you because I'm trying to, to like show you a problem in our hour because there's so much noise. There's just so much noise around the man Jesus. So let me show you how to get revelation and a knowledge of who he is. You ready? Because Peter, Peter, Peter gets it in this conversation. Look at this. Okay, so they're saying this about you. And then Jesus looks at Peter and he says, but who do you say that I am? Standing alone outside of the crowd, looking face to face to Peter. And Peter gets it right. We should all like cheer because Peter never gets it right. (laughs) You know, he's always like the bully pulpit, man. Peter just beat him up. But he gets it right. And he says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus' response to him is so important here. It's so very important. Because again, a lot of times this is used in large evangelistic crusades. Like, who do you say that I am? It's the most important question you'll ever be asked in your entire life. But, but he's not asking it as an evangelistic thing. He's asking it to intimate followers of him. He's looking directly at their eyes and saying, who do you say that I am? 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 Peter, you're the son of God. Basically, Peter sees Jesus right for the first time here, that he was, he was God's son. He was, he was born of God. He was sinless, spotless. He was sent to the earth. Like, he... He comes to this revelation through these words. It's such, like these words do not describe what's taking place in Peter's heart. God is doing a tremendous work in Peter's heart revealing who Jesus is. Even though Peter was familiar with him, something is shifting. And then Jesus looks at Peter and look at what he says. Jesus looks at Peter and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my Father who is in heaven. So what happened in this moment, and this is, this is really important for us upper room community, because I feel like it's one of the things that we're learning to house. His presence transforming lives. It's the, the Holy Spirit transforming lives. But I believe one of the ways the Holy Spirit transforms lives, and this is really, really important for you to see. It's so foundational to your faith. Is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Paul, it's an apostolic prayer. He's praying for the church in Ephesus, and he says this. He says... He says, it's a church that has everything, but he says, I, I pray that, that the Father, everyone say the Father, that the Father who is in heaven would give you, church, the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. That the Father would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So what's happening in this context? What's happening in this context in Matthew chapter 16 is that the Holy Spirit has sent the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to Peter to reveal who Jesus is. This is a crazy thought, but we need God to reveal God to us. 
I, I, my preaching and my words and my convincing and anyone else's preaching and words and convincing is not enough for you to come to the Lord. The Lord brings you to the Lord. And the Lord reveals the Lord to you. Have you ever, have you ever been around this happening? I know it's going to happen. No, it's not going to happen with my kids. But I bet it will happen with my kids. Um, but I, I've been getting emails, a couple of emails from parents lately. And I'm like, Michael, will you spend time with my kids? Because they're just not listening to me anymore. <laughs> parents, can you relate? Like, as they get older, it's like, can you just say what I've been saying? Because they can't hear it from me. But if you say what I've been saying, they'll hear it from you. Yeah. You ever had that happen? Yeah. Or like, as a, as a, yeah, I've had that happen I think my wife and I have had this exchange. Like she'll be saying something to me or I'll be saying something to her. And then we'll all of a sudden come back around to one another and we'll say what they've been saying the whole time. And they're like, I've been telling you that this whole time. But you like come into the realization of like, the sky is blue. No, I've been telling you the sky's blue. No, 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 really, the sky's blue. It's like you come into this understanding that you couldn't come under and, unless like something just shifted, something just changed. And, and I, feel like, I feel like the Lord is creating places like the upper room. And I feel like the main thing that we've been housing, studying, and understanding, and what the Lord is giving, I believe, really good language and practical tools uh, to do is to be in relationship with a spirit of revelation. The spirit of revelation that reveals the man Jesus. Because listen, if you have marriage issues today, you don't need marriage principles. You need a greater revelation of Jesus. Because a revelation of Jesus can help you in your marriage. If you have financial issues, listen, I'm for financial principles and all those things. But, but, but you need a revelation of Jesus as your provider. Like the revelation that Jesus will bring about himself to you will position you to live differently towards your issues and towards your problems. It's a revelation of who he is. It's a revelation of his character, of his nature. It's a revelation that peels back our eyes so that we can see differently our trial, our situation. And so Peter gets this revelation. Uh, Blessed are you, Simon Barber, flesh and blood. It was not given by man. It was given by God. And it's the Father's pleasure to reveal Jesus. This is the thing, is that it's, it's the, God the Father's, his, his favorite thing to do is to reveal his son to you. Like, it, it blesses him for you to know how beautiful, wonderful, and worthy the man Jesus is. When you come into that, it pleases the Father. It ministers to his heart. That's... <clears throat> so, blessed are you, Simon. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then he doesn't stop there. He says, and I say to you that you are Peter... And upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon what rock will I build my church? And I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. What rock is he talking about? It's Jesus. Jesus is the rock, yes? But it's not just Jesus being the rock. It's the revelation of the rock that he builds his church upon. Does that make sense? That's a really like critical thing to understand. It's the revelation of the rock that he builds his church upon. So the church is built on the revelation of the man Jesus. 
And it's a living revelation that we're corporately communing with. So let me, let me, let me just give you an analogy. This is one of my favorite analogies. I've probably done it before, but it comes from this text. And it's the foundation of the church. It's the foundation of the upper room. It's the foundation of what we're going after. So in the Greek here, um, we have Peter. So it says, it says upon, and I call you Peter. What does Peter mean? What does Peter mean? Peter means rock. And then he says, upon what? I'll build my church. Upon rock, I'll build my church. So it sounds like it's, it's two words. This is actually where... Uh, the, the concept of, of the Pope was coming from the, Peter was the first Pope, the foundation of the church, Pope. This is where that theology flows from. But if you look at the language, if you look at the language here, it's, it's, it's really fascinating to me uh, what Jesus did in the Greek. Because he says, he says, and I say to you, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then he also says something else to Peter. And on the revelation... On the revelation of Jesus, this happens to all of us. He says, and I say to you that you are rock. So he speaks to Peter and he calls him Peter. He calls him rock. And then he says, upon rock, I will build my church. Just English-wise, it looks like it's, it's the same word. But in the Greek, there's two separate words here. The first thing that he says, and I say to you that you're Peter, it's Petros. Everyone say Petros. Petros is a piece of of the whole, it's a rock or a better piece of a rock. So, so Peter is a piece of a rock. It's actually a small stone. So he says, and I say that you're Peter, so I say that you're a piece of the whole. But then he says, upon Petra, or upon rock, Petra, a different type of rock, I will build my church. Now Petra is a large, massive rock. A large boulder, a foundation stone, a boulder-forming landmark. So in essence, Jesus is saying that upon boulder, which is Christ, I'll build my church, but you're a piece of me. As you see me, you'll actually see yourself in me. Upon Petra, foundation stone, I build my church, and you're a piece of that whole. It's this, it's the apple of his eye analogy. It's, it's, it's being able to see, to see him rightly, but something happens when we see him rightly based on... So, Robbie, can I use you as an analogy? Yes. Do y'all know Robbie Dawkins? It's my good buddy. Oh my gosh, this is a perfect shirt for this analogy. Okay, so, so this, is what, this is what was happening, and this is what the spirit of revelation does. So, I, Robbie is Jesus. Everyone say, hi, Jesus. So, we, we'll sit, and Jesus is over here, and we're like worshiping, seeing him, hearing Miller talk about Jesus. We kind of have ideas about him, and all of this is this... this this process of the Lord drawing you to him so that you can see him. But what was happening to Peter in this time, Peter had seen Jesus do miracles. Peter had heard him preach, heard the Sermon on the Mount, been called in to, uh, to leave everything and follow him. I mean, Peter was in relationship with Jesus. But what the spirit of revelation does and what it's doing in Matthew 16 is it is positioning Peter to see Jesus in a way that he had never seen him before. 
And one of the analogies, I love David. David, David one of the identities that David, David used in Psalm 17.3, and then it's also used in Zechariah, is that we're the apple of God's eye. And to be the apple in someone's eye, you have to see your reflection in their eyes. It's a term of endearment. And so for me to be the apple in Robbie's eye, I've got to be pretty intimate and pretty close. Right? Can you, like, act like you want to see me? Okay. It's me, buddy. Okay. So, that is such a creepy shirt. Who is that? Lonnie Frisbee. Lonnie Frisbee. Oh, wow. Whoa. So, this is the spirit of revelation. This is what it does. This is the spirit of revelation's goal. The spirit of revelation's goal is to position you to see Jesus, to fix your eyes on Jesus, and for the spirit of revelation to reveal his favorite subject, which is this beautiful man, Jesus. Yes. You are. Jesus. So. I get mistaken for Brad Pitt. Oh, Brad Pitt. Ben Affleck, Brad Pitt. So can you, can you see your reflection yet? Not yet. <laughs> I'm really trying. Yes. Okay, there we go. There it is. All right. Right there. All right. I'm trying not to cross my eyes. <laughs> so listen. Listen. I'm a breath, man. I've had a couple of cups of coffee, Me I know. Too, All right. Too. We'll just fight it. But... This is the spirit of revelation. This is the nearness. This is the intimacy. This is the connection. And listen to me. It's so vital because, because okay, I see him rightly, but it's so important that Jesus didn't stop, that you're just seeing me. As you see me, Peter, you're actually going to see yourself rightly. Are you following me? It's like, it's like as I look in and I see him, all of a sudden he reveals me in him. So it's not only that I get a revelation independently of who he is, I also get an understanding of who I am in him. Because I say to you that you're Peter. And he releases identity that's beyond the conversation of culture. And when you tap into, hear me, when this, when this is your world... When this is your source and your reality, when you're living, pursuing, going after wholeheartedly this connection with the Lord, there's nothing like it. And he says that this is the foundation of the church, is the revelation of Jesus. Now, if Peter runs and he's, it's not about Peter being Peter, it's about the rock being the rock and him being a piece of the rock. So he never has to, he never has to boast in his identity. He keeps boasting in the Lord's identity and it establishes his. Because I think there's an overemphasis right now on your identity in the church. It's not about your identity, it's about his identity, but when you get rooted in his identity, your identity's found in that place. It's like, it's like I, Jesus is the light of the world, but he also says you're the light of the world. But we're the light of the world because he's the light of the world. But as soon as we go, we're the light of the world, he goes, no, 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 no. 
I'm the light of the world. Oh, you're the light of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so are you. You're the light of the world. Okay, you're the light of the world. You're, no, you're the light. You're the light. Of the world. I'm the light. Of, no, no, no. You're the light of the world. It's constantly <laughs> fixing our eyes on this man, Jesus. It's deeper than principles. It's deeper than than than. It's just God. We've settled for lesser things. And I believe the Lord's looking for corporate bodies that will position themselves in this way and forsake everything else for that. It's why we're trying to do this thing morning, noon, and night. Live a rhythm of it. You following me? I love you. Thank you. You're awesome. And then he, he, he ends it by saying, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. I, I believe it, it, it's from, from this position that we are the ecclesia, that we release the Lord's will on the earth, that we loose and we bind. Why? Because we see who he is, we know what he wants to do. That's the praying church, that's the house of prayer, that's who we are. The ecclesia, the governing body of Christ. Based on the revelation and identity of Jesus, us establishing ourselves in that place and moving forth accordingly. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information about the upper room, please visit europe.org.